Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Join me and my guest, Christian Robillard, as he shares his work in the social impact space and why it's important to pay it forward. Christian has been in and around the charitable sector since the age of 14 and has eventually pursued a career in the nonprofit and philanthropy sector. He has helped raise funds for countless causes, and he's going to talk about why you should do the same. Welcome and enjoy. Today on Cashflow Connects, we have Christian Robillard. Christian, welcome. Thanks, Peter. Great, uh, great to be here. I love the love the bookshelf in the background. Oh, thank you, and yours, yours as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mine isn't quite as as ornate, but uh, I've got some knickknacks on there. That uh, yeah, I think I'm up. I'm I'm winning the game on knickknacks, but you're definitely winning the game on uh, content and and robots of of your yeah. It needs a little organizing, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. Um, so I wanted to uh, just maybe today, if we can just start with just tell the Cashflow Connects community a little bit about yourself and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want the short version or do you want the long version? Because there's, uh, <laughs> there's a long yeah. winding road and there's the the fast, you know, super highway to get Okay, there. so we're working with probably about 30 minutes. So if you're going to talk about it in 30 minutes, then... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not more than 30 minutes. I uh, I grew up in, in Ottawa, in, in beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, Nancy, Cashflow Canucks for all Canadian for the most part. But uh, yeah, grew up here in Ottawa, one short about year and change stint with my family in Creston, British Columbia. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Apparently it doesn't do daylight savings time, but I recently drove through there and I'm pretty sure that it, it does in fact do daylight savings time. So might be a lie that my parents fed to me. There, we really moved out there for uh, a chance at a new life and for, for new opportunities. It unfortunately wasn't delivered on. So we ended up actually living in a tent in the Rocky Mountains for close to a year amongst, you know, bears and mountain lions and my dad snoring and all sorts of fearsome creatures. Eventually we built a house and got, you know, some some more opportunities. And after some family troubles, we we ended up moving back to Ottawa. Since then, uh here in Ottawa for in my entirety of my life, went to high school to uh, here, went to university here, studied public affairs and policy management, as well as a master's in philanthropy and nonprofit leadership at Carleton. I've had a chance really through my exposure to the Ottawa Boys and Girls Club and their summer camp, Camp Smitty, to be involved in all manner of leadership and civic engagement and volunteering and really in understanding the importance of academia and having some phenomenal opportunities to work with some different charities and nonprofits from the Children's Wish Foundation to the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario to the Boys and Girls Club to Youth Ottawa. The list kind of goes on in both fundraising and governance and granting roles. And now I work at Carleton University as an engagement strategy advisor, really doing a lot of work around knowledge mobilization. So taking those academic concepts and, and distilling them down into easy to understand information that practitioners can use to, to infuse into the work that they do in the charitable sector. I run a podcast called Beyond the Bake Sale. And we're all about telling stories of people raising and giving of their time, talent, and treasure for the causes that they care about, as well as really raising up and uplifting the marginalized and lesser known uh, individuals within the sector who we don't often hear about. 
I do some work uh, as well with um, on kind of my own time doing some partnership work and uh, yeah, involved with a couple of different charities and nonprofits in a, in a volunteer sense at this point in time. Wow. Okay. So that's a, that is a lot. It wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be, but that is a lot. And it's like packed with social impact. Before we get to that, I wanted to ask you the experience of living at West, like living in a tent and, you know, what was, what was behind that? How perhaps did did that impact you? Did it impact you um, in what you do today? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I was one or two at the time. So I, I think I remember small little pieces of it, Peter. I think the, the thing that it imparted on my parents and then by extension me in terms of lessons, in terms of, I guess, formative experience, if you can call that part of the origin story, is just a gratefulness for what you have. Really just being grateful and being able to roll with the punches and being flexible with what happens. Ultimately, we can't control what happens to us, but the one thing we can control is how we react to it. That's something that the the Stoics are really big on. Is you know you can you can react. You the thing you can control is how you react to a certain situation instead of controlling every single thing that happens to you. Um, so I think a lot of that and just that that gratitude for even if you don't have a lot, at least you have you know your family or you have you know your life and you have a means to be able to create something better for yourself if you're willing to work at it and have some help from others and you know the the opportunities the opportunities are out there it's just about looking for them right fair enough so yeah obviously it did has has had a an impact on your life through extension through your parents absolutely um so social impact you named off i think i don't know at least a dozen things that you're involved <laughs> in what um what kind of what drives you to it and what inspires you to uh to be live your life uh, based on on that principle yeah so i would i would say there's a, a quote by muhammad ali that talks about how service to others is the rent that we pay for the space we occupy here on earth and I think that, you know, those are, are words that I've more recently come into in terms of that specific quote, but that sense of service, that sense of almost duty to your community of giving back and not just giving handouts, but giving hands up um, really started when I was at the Boys and Girls Club. You know, from a, a young age, I started going when I was 10, specifically to their summer camp. The first year I went to summer camp, I had the worst possible experience. I didn't make any friends. I barely talked. Like I had one friend there. And the next year I almost didn't go back. So I was like, you know, this just, this isn't for me. And then my friend kind of peer pressured me into it. And I was very agreeable during that time as I still am. And hence why there's a dozen plus <laughs> organizations on that list. It's the, the problem of saying no. And the, the best and worst thing happened to me possible in that, in that session, in that I got separated from my friend in terms of being in different cabins for this, this 10 day overnight camp. And during that time, I really got to, to meet new friends and my counselors really made it a point to introduce me to other people and really build me up. And at the end of the session, my, my parents joked, they're like, so, uh, so-and-so, my, my counselors, they're like, this isn't the same kid that, that we sent up, like, where, where's our sign Christian? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is, this is Christian. It's like, mm, no, he's like confident. He's like making friends with people. He's thinner because he's been like exercising what did you do to them? Like, like how this is amazing. And as the summers went on, I kept going back and I worked at the summer camp. And in those moments, I think I, I understood that there were kids there who didn't have the same opportunities, didn't have the same means economically to 
know, have a better life for themselves. And I wanted to be able to contribute something back in a way that the counselors and the staff that worked at both uh, summer camp, as well as the Ottawa Boys and Girls Club, where I participated in one of their leadership programs, Leaders for Life, really kind of instilled in that sense, like if you're given something in terms of opportunities and things of that nature, it's important for you to give something back and to, you know, pay it forward, if you would. So I've always really felt a, a strong sense and a strong feeling of wanting to give back, particularly to young people and help close kind of those opportunity gaps, but also help them close those hope gaps where some young people might not feel that they can hope or aspire for something better than their current situation. And you want to have compassionate adults and mentors who tell them and show up and sponsor them to show them that they can actually reach there and help them to get there too. Not a handout, but very much a hand up. I think that just kind of stuck with me based on you know the, the amazing people that I was able to surround myself with. And I think it just speaks to that whole nature versus nurture in terms of finding out how you develop. I think in this case, the was so huge for me and that I had so many supportive adults around me and helped me become the person that, uh, that I am today. Right. And now you're able to do the same, right. In terms of providing a hand up to, yeah, to others. I, I definitely try to, I, I try to, and I try not to do it with a sense of power over, but very much with a, a sense of power with. So that those power and no one feels indebted to me. I never expect anything back, but what I hope for is that those people will then be in a better position so they can continue to be generous and, and pay it forward from there. Yeah. I think too, as you inspire people, I think it's even more amazing when they inspire you to back in, mm-hmm. in return. Absolutely. Um, in terms of, um, so you've got a lot of experience in this. How, how would kind of someone like myself I'm like, where would I even start getting into? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good question, Peter. I think it, it starts with, with a, it's going to sound a little cheesy, but it starts with what you care about. So when it comes to involving yourself in different social impact activities, whether that's volunteering or making a, a philanthropic gift, or whether that's giving up your talents, maybe pro bono to an organization or to a cause, I think it starts with what you, you care about and what aligns with your values. For me personally, it was always about empowering young people and making sure that they had better opportunities than perhaps their parents had or others uh, have in the world. So that's really my bit of my focusing lens. Then I think it's it's asking some of the asking some of the right questions of some of those organizations. So not necessarily focusing exclusively on some of the fallacies like what's your operating what's your operating cost like what how much of my donation or my support goes to the cause versus how much goes to admin because i think that's a bit of a of a faulty measure of how excellent an organization does then i think it's really about um which organizations do you see and what what is the leader like at each of those organizations and which ones do you see as doing something really revolutionary and doing something that really resonates with you and does the vision of what the leadership of that organization does does it align with what you have in terms of a vision for how you see a better world coming about and how you see yourself in helping to affect that change so for me I serve on the board of a group called Youth Ottawa we do a lot of work around youth economic empowerment so instead of getting young people to volunteer to make their communities better we actually go out and we pay them through uh, their own entrepreneurial endeavors to show that these young people have shouldn't 
that all for volunteering because volunteering in and of itself can be a barrier to actually participating and making our communities a better place, particularly for those youth who are considered part of like priority neighborhoods or who are disadvantaged or are lower on the socioeconomic scale than, than others are. And that group really resonated with me, not just because of my past experience with them, but because of the vision of the, the leadership of the organization, how well in terms of uh, how well in terms of like performing that they do in terms of how many young people they impact and in what way. Um, yeah. And I think just finding organizations where it has that leadership you really believe in that um, has kind of that forward thinking mentality that aligns really well with your values that is impactful and if they do spend more towards the staff and capacity and the admin of the organization and really just resonates with what with what you care about whether it's kids or cats or certain diseases that are out there or other causes there's so many to care about it's just picking what you really care about right in in your time being involved in so many different um organizations how have you seen the industry itself evolve so I definitely see more of a professionalization. I think before, if you specifically look at things like raising, fundraising was always something you either did off the side of your desk, or maybe you had a salesperson who had some experience in it, or you kind of stumbled. But now when it comes to the social impact space, there are more programs that are being created that allow you to be more intentional to enter into a career in the social impact space, whether that's working for a charity, a nonprofit, a cooperative, uh, a social enterprise, a B Corp. Like there's so many different ways that you can have that impact that you can be more deliberate in going into. So I think that professionalization, I think people's, um, people's ability to interact and the activity that they have around how they support charities and nonprofits is becoming more sophisticated, whether that's through uh, certain um, certain tax, certain uh, accounting mechanisms, or how they decide of let's say extra assets they have, be it extra equipment, or um, how they're giving funds, or even how they're uh, ingraining certain parts of social impact into their business models. Um, and I think it's it's also like the charitable sector in and of itself doesn't doesn't have full domain over that social impact anymore. Like governments have always had a, a role in this area, and they're working more with the charitable sector. But businesses are starting to become more involved in helping to change things on the social side or on the environmental side by ingraining those impacts into their business models and making it a, a really deliberate choice. So I think that professionalization, that greater awareness of what charities and nonprofits do and having more groups who are scrutinizing and looking at the impact work that they're doing, more people wanting to uh, intentionally go into this field and just things of that nature. I think there's a lot that's changed, but those are some of the highlights for me. Yeah, so definitely a lot um, more uh, tangible things and even maybe some creative things. Do you see, do you, what do you see in the future for in general for for the social just, impact just, space just social or? impact space yeah like where do you see it going to next you say i hope there's a lot more professionalization like i think we have some good starts in canada we have our our the program that i work for at carleton university that is the the first and only master's program at that level and you're starting to see more institutes around things like impact and responsible investing around being more deliberate in social impact you have different 
associations out there, like the Association of Fundraising Professionals, the Canadian Association of Gift Planners, um, groups around uh, healthcare philanthropy, and really just across the board, there's a lot of professionalization, but I hope that there's more so that we can have more talented people go into the sector. What I hope for as well is, is as I talked about that admin um, that admin cost question that a lot of donors ask where they only want a certain amount to go to the cause. I hope that people who work in the sector are paid uh, more and compensated more fairly for the impact that they're having. I mean, we don't bat an eyelash when, you know, uh, a CEO is making tens of millions of dollars, you know, producing violent video games for kids, but we bat an eyelash when we paid, you know, the CEO of a hunger charity, you know, a fair, a fair wage for helping to eradicate hunger in a particular community and we're, we're outraged that we would pay them that much money. So there's a bit of that double standard that I, I hope goes away and I hope incentivizes a lot of the really talented and, and intellectual and driven individuals to come into the sector. It's not to say they aren't, aren't already a lot of those folks in the sector, but you definitely lose out on some of those folks because well, I could make this amount of money in the private sector instead of going and trying to you know, eradicate homelessness in the charitable sector with my skills. And then I can donate you know, a percentage of my wages to the, to the charitable sector and serve on their board of directors. And that's my, that's my equivalent or that's my contribution towards impact. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm given a, a pass when it comes to, uh, I'm given a pass when it comes to if I have any kind of ethical conundrums around that. Do you see any, um, do you think there's enough people from like the business community that are involved in, in charities today in terms of like, you know, the world that the community we're talking to is entrepreneurs and investors. Is there, there's plenty of opportunity to assume in terms of there's a need, right? There's always a need, would you say? Yeah, I, I think the I think the sad part is there always will be a need. I mean, so ultimately, the only thing I was going to say was other than just one is time because I I always assume like it's just about money. Put in money, save taxes, whatever. Like it's and you're giving to something mm-hmm. cause you, but it's like there's the time too, right? Is so is such an important mm-hmm. factor. Yeah, absolutely. I think giving of your time is an extremely generous thing to do. I think the important thing is not to if the, the science or the data supports a certain viewpoint, not to try to steer an organization away from that science or data. So it kind of fills into your skill set. When you go in perhaps with a business mentality and thinking, let's say, let's equate business mentality with, you know, having a hammer, you could kind of think that everything's a nail. And we don't want that necessarily to be the case. We want people to think, okay, well, we have all of these tools to address these things and this organization has the information. So how do our skill sets fit into that vision and like how do our tools that we bring to the table help in these situations without saying, oh, well, we're, this is clearly, you know, this issue is clearly a nail, we're a hammer, let's fix it in this way. Um, so I think, I think we want to be careful around things like that. But I think there, there's always room for more support when you look at people who are actually donating to charities, the amount of people is going down as being more concentrated amongst those who are elderly. And obviously that wealth is going to go away or be transferred. So I think more people donating uh, is always a positive thing, whether it's a small amount like $5 a month or you're able to make something that's larger. Because ultimately when you invest in those types of communities, you're building something that helps build vibrant, healthy cities. And I think that's something that we often miss. We think it's just helping those who are, are less fortunate, but it builds a more, a more resilient community overall. And I think we're seeing the benefit of, of investing in charities now in particular, 
while while COVID-19 is ravaging the world, you have a strong charitable sector in tandem with uh, with strong government. You're seeing communities be able to respond a lot more quickly than if they hadn't been invested in this place. And that requires the business community to be able to step up where they can and be generous where they can and, and get creative about how they're being generous, whether it's that time, whether it's that treasure of, of money, or whether it's that talent that they have to, to be able to spare. Right, so it's a bit of a bit of both. And I mean, in the world that I am in, there's what I do every day too, we talk about wealth transfers. I think this is obviously a, a, a very, great target for for transferring wealth as well absolutely um tell us a little bit about your podcast you mentioned that um can you dive a little deeper into that yeah for sure we uh we started it's called beyond the bake sale and we started you know not because we have an aversion to bakes we think there's a we think there's a good place for all of those but we started it because we saw this this kind of general lack of creativity in the sector when it came to uh, fundraising or whether it came to giving of your time or giving up your talents. And uh, we wanted to be able to tell the stories of some people who maybe took things in a more ambitious direction or were a little more inventive with how they gave away or raised time, talent, and treasure for the causes that they ultimately cared about. So our show really focuses on how individuals and organizations are giving and raising that time, talent, and treasure for the causes they care about. And we really like to represent and to elevate those people who are uh, not traditionally recognized or who are marginalized or underrepresented in whatever ways we can. And a lot of it is very practical. It's very conversational. So you don't need a master's or a PhD to understand me, you know, chat with someone about how do you improve your fundraising program or how do you get companies to um, invest in your particular organization through partnerships, those types of things. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. We just wrapped up season two and we're taking a bit of a break to re-examine how we use our platform to elevate the stories and the voices of those who are underrepresented and marginalized in the sector, whether they're volunteers or staff, and just be more responsible and being and being better allies for it. But uh, you can listen to them all on www.btbs.ca. And we're always looking for other or individuals who are doing some cool things in the social impact space. So if you think that's you, we, we would love to hear from you. Awesome. Okay. Very good. Um, yeah. Um, so what's, what's next for, for you and your, your journey in the, uh, in this space? Yeah, I'm, I'm still working at Carleton until September 30th, but um, looking more and more at how we help organizations form good public-private partnerships or public-private philanthropic partnerships. So uh, looking at starting uh, a firm and some work around that. So if you're a business interested in being more involved in the community and having those more robust partnerships that also add to your business bottom line, whether it's from employee engagement or whether it's from just building healthier communities or uh, whether it's something else that you can achieve with charities and nonprofits, um, interested always in that. Um, still our work with, uh, with United Way, Eastern Ontario and the Ottawa Community Foundation. We're always, um, on the lookout for worthy causes. So we'll be reviewing grants and grant applications and other funding applications to be able to put money out into the community and support those who are most vulnerable. Youth Ottawa, we're always looking for support to be able to support our young social entrepreneurs and allow them to have better opportunities than they would otherwise have if no one was there to, to support them and really say, we, we don't think you're just the leaders of tomorrow, but we think you're the leaders of today and of right now. 
and uh, keeping up with the podcast. So doing some more recording and, and being more intentional about how to case different topics with speakers who are not traditionally represented um, in the charitable sector or generally speaking, so that we aren't contributing to the speakers kind of making the same routes and, and educating people, but really finding those folks who don't necessarily get given the chance to their wisdom and insights in a conversation very much like this, Peter, and instead be able to offer them that opportunity and that microphone and us to be able to learn equally. So, so no, no shortage of things going on for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, Christian, I really appreciate you spending your time today with um, myself and be happy to share this uh, with the Cashflow Conducts community. Um, if someone has any questions or they want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to uh, to reach out? Yeah, I'm always on email, Peter. Um, best email to reach me at is Christian C H R I S T I A N T B S dot C A. Best and fastest way to to reach me. Um, or visit our website at www.btbs.ca. We're always looking for people to collaborate with and really, again, amplify the voices of those who are underserved in the sector and tell some really back stories that can teach people to, to be more ambitious and uh, yeah, be more ambitious about the social impact that they're trying to have. And yeah, we just encourage people to, to be involved in their communities and ask those questions that I had mentioned before. And start a bit of their their philanthropic if they they should if they so choose i mean you don't have to start with a million dollar gift i think you want to make sure that philanthropy stays as democratic as we can and you know whether you're giving five dollars a month you're giving a month um it's always a great place to start for for a big sale <laughs> that's that's my my only message awesome okay well thank you again and uh, thanks for your time and thanks for sharing yeah my pleasure peter thanks for thanks for sharing with your audience Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cashflow Canucks podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. 